The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. Hello, everyone. This is Rob Golpe with Remax, the Golpe team. Welcome to the Golpe Real Estate Show, Hamilton Edition with host Rick Zamperin. Another awesome day in the neighborhood, and so much so that we're inviting you in to uh, discuss and uh, listen to some really amazing real estate-related stories here on the Golpe Real Estate Show, Hamilton Edition on 900 CHML, because we're going to talk about investors and how boomers are really driving uh, the ball here in Ontario and across Canada. We're going to talk about buying a home in Canada. Well, that that home, you could actually get a castle in Europe for the same price. We'll have some examples for you, and it's uh, really interesting and and sad at the same time, to be uh, be honest. Uh, We're going to take a peek into Canada's most expensive home, and you will not believe the price tag. We're also going to chat about converting offices into housing and how it's, uh, well, it's it's not cheap, that is for sure. I've got a great question to uh, bring to Rob's attention as well. Don't forget, if you want to get your home sold in this market, call the number one REMAX team in Canada. That's the Golfie team, 905-575-7700. That's 905-575-7700. Online at robgolfie.com, robgolfi.com. And you can also follow the Golfie team on TikTok and Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And go online to golfiehomevalue.com and get an instant home estimate. Plug in some details about your place and you'll get that instant home estimate right away. You can also email the golfy team with a question or a topic idea that we'll chew on on a future program questions at robgolfie.com is the email address all right rob what's going on in your real estate life this week well i've, I've been uh you know i'm venturing into uh, it's always about real estate and that's where i've always made money and 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 so you know i've ventured into other uh different things in the past where i kind of like it it made money but Real estate would have made more money if I purchased real estate instead of investing in certain other ventures. So right now, what I'm doing is is I'm, I'm I, I put I I told you about putting an offer I think uh, on a property, and it's conditional for 30 days on due diligence, and that is going to close in September. But another one just came up, and and the timing is kind of like a little bit you know a little bit pushing it. So there was an offer on this property. And, uh, but the agent, uh, uh, I called the agent up to find out, Hey, what's going on with this property? And, and it's a commercial property. And I, and I, and I, you know, usually commercial properties are a little more difficult to get financing than anything else, especially for a, a new and young investor that don't, doesn't know the, the, the dynamics of putting, uh, an offer on a commercial property. So I called him up about a week ago and I said, Hey, listen, if this thing, you know, you feel like it's going sideways, give me a call and, and I'll, I'll submit it. You know, I'll probably do something. So I get a call, uh, the other day and uh, he says, Hey Rob, listen, uh, you know, these people here that have the offer on it, um, they're, they're asking for another 30 days on top of the 60 or 30 days that we gave them for financing. And I go, I wouldn't do that. If they can't get the financing in 30 days, they can't get financing. That, that, that's sort of my, my theory. And, and, and it usually is, it, it, it does pan out that way where they just can't get the financing because uh, a bank either knows right away or not if they can do it. So 
I get a call and and uh, and they got they got about another ten days left on the, on the fine on a financing for this place, right? So they're still tied up with these with these potential other buyers. So he calls me up and he says, "Hey, I don't think these guys are going to be able to firm up this deal uh, in ten days from now." I go, "Okay, no problem." So I go take a walkthrough, and, and and to me, this is a full project. This is a huge project, and I'm gonna I'm going in uh, with an offer on this place. You know, and the only condition is there that the previous offer doesn't firm up. And, but guess what? Now another offer is coming in. So I'm in competition, but I'm going in firm on this deal. Mm-hmm. No conditions, large deposit. But here's, here's the, the risk I'm taking. Now this is a commercial property. Um, I'm not, uh, they don't have a, a phase one or a phase two environmental uh, report on this property. Now, um, usually banks require that. I talked to my banker and she says, you know, we might be able to not, you may not have to worry about it just because where the location of this building is and, and, uh, and everything else, but you still should have it. So I am a, the, the one thing you, I shouldn't do, but I really want this building. I really want it. I'm willing to roll the dice to mm-hmm. make sure I get it. A firm deal on this, the, even if I'm lower on the price, the sellers will probably take my offer, even if I'm lower a hundred thousand dollars on the price. And, uh, because it's a firm deal. And so I'm hoping to get that. Now, if you're buying a commercial property and I wouldn't advise to go firm just because of the fact that you need a a, a report done. So I, I called my, um, my guy that does, uh, the environmental reports. I, I kind of gave him uh, an idea. Like I told him where the property is, what it is. He goes, goes, Rob, I don't think you have, you have anything to worry about. Uh, but I says, if I do get it, I, I still want a phase one report so that I have it in the file that down the road, when I sell it, it, it it's easier to sell with a report. And just because it, because banks will need that. They want that when, uh, when you're, when you're buying the property. Um, yeah. So, so I'm in competition. I want the property. So I put all no stops, no, no conditions, 60 day closing. Let's we'll find out. I'll find out today. I'm uh, sorry. I'll, I'll find out. Yeah. I'll find out today at three o'clock, three o'clock. If I, <laughs> if I get it and then I got to wait another 10, 10 days to see if the first buyer, um, doesn't firm up on it. So, um, but yeah, I, I'm looking forward to it. it it's, uh, I, that means like I've got two, then I'll have two projects on the go, uh, wow. this year. One will start, one will start in 60 days. If the other guys don't firm up, and, and the other one is going to start in September. And so I, uh, I'll be uh, working a, a lot harder selling real estate to make sure I can <laughs> afford everything. That's for sure. So, but yeah, it's, it's a, it's a scary moment. It's, it's scary. And, but I, I'm excited. I, I believe it. And you know, you're, you're kind of living what a, a home buyer or, or, or another commercial real estate property would be feeling. You're, you're emotionally in, you want the property, you don't know how it's going to go down. And you being a competitive guy, you, you, you want to win the day. You want to win this deal. I, I do want to win the deal. And th- see, see, this is where a lot of the buyers last year went through. Now, it, it, and I talked to the banker all different ways and, and she says, Rob, you're fine. You're, you're good and all that kind of stuff. So th- there was confidence there. My accountant, I talked to him, he goes, Rob, you know, you don't need partners. You can do this on your own, which is another, you know, another, uh, uh reassurance. And so, it, so everybody's saying, yeah, no problem, which, but still, I always, always operate with a little bit of fear. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, just, just, you know what? It's always good to do that. Now, 
I won't have buyer's remorse. I will have remorse if I don't get it. I, I will. And, and, uh, if, if I don't get it, I'll be going, Oh darn. But I, I, my gut feeling is on a commercial property, nobody's crazy enough to, to go in with no conditions like me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, <laughs> nobody's crazy, but, uh, but it, I mean, there was never a gas station, uh, on there, there was, or beside there or anything like that. So there was nothing like that. So, um, yeah, so I'm, I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to it. You can ask me. Uh, next week if uh, mm-hmm. if I did get the place now then I have to wait for the other people to see if they're going to walk away from the deal and uh, go from there now now because I've got an offer on this place and if I do win the offer amongst the other person that I'm in competition with um, if I do get it now the, the guys that have this tied up they may firm up just because of the fact they know somebody else wants it right you, you understand what I'm saying yep. so that may entice them to push Say, hey, wait a minute. Uh, you know, I uh, I want. Uh, yeah, I think I'm going to firm up on this deal because uh, you know, Golfy wants this property. He must know something I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, you <laughs> <Yeah>. know, <'cause laughs> it's like. So that's the one aspect of it. So we'll find out. We'll find out. And uh, so I've got a. I've got a. I'd say a 50 percent chance of getting getting it uh, accepted, and then I've got a 50 percent chance as if I do get it. 50% chance of the other guy uh, 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 not firming up. Mm-hmm. So we'll see what happens. I, I think our, our listeners really, uh, you know, when they hear of you speaking the word fear, not not to, you know, lose out on the property, but I think the word fear, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, is kind of born out of the fact that you, you've experienced the highs and lows of real estate. You know that, you know, one little thing can go wrong or one little thing can go right and in your favor. And I think that that fear word um, just allows you to stay on your toes because you've seen and done it all. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? I've never really had any, uh, you know what? There was only the one re- one regret of buying a property. And I probably lost four or $5,000 on that. And that was on Pearl Street when I was in my like 21 years old and, and stuff like that is when my dad walked through and he goes, are you sure you know what you're doing here? <laughs> like, and I like, I look, you looked at me and I looked at him. I go, you know what? I think I better get out of this deal. And I got out of it fast. And then, you know what? The market did turn uh, the wrong way. Wow. Uh, that, cause, cause that was just like as the doorstep of 1990 and April of 1990 is when things started changing. Um, uh, with, with the real estate market. So yeah, like I, I just, uh, and, 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 and I was too young to take on big projects like that. I was too young. So like, if you're uh, like a 20 in your early twenties and you want to take a big renovation project, you better, you better know, you better know what you're doing because that can break you and it could hurt you for years for a decade before you can get back into the real estate market. So you got to be very, very careful on, on that. And that's probably a good time to bring some partners on board. If you can convince them to invest and, you know, bring their skill set to whatever the project is, that's probably the way to go, especially nowadays with the prices where they are. Absolutely. You know, it's um, like, I, like I'm buying in this market. I mean, we had, we had a boom, uh, like the, it peaked out, uh, early last year and then it dropped for seven, eight months last, uh, last year. And now we're, now it's starting to climb again. So, I mean, you know, I, I, like, like I said, house prices double every 10 years and commercial properties, they even more than double every 10 years. Yeah. Well, we got lots more to come here on this edition of the Golfy Real Estate Show, including next, we're going to dive into a question that revolves around snow and a roof. Stay tuned. This is the Golfy Real Estate Show, Hamilton edition on 900 CHML.
You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. Welcome back to the Golfy Real Estate Show, Hamilton Edition on 900 CHML. Rick Samprin with Rob Golfy, sales representative, Remax Escarpment Realty, the Golfy team, the number one Remax team here in Canada. Call them today. That's the Golfy team, 905-575-7700. On social media, whether it's TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, give the Golfy team a like or a follow. Check them out online. The hottest listings in town are on robgolfy.com. That's Rob, G-O-L-F. I.com. And if you have a question or a topic idea for a future show, email the Golfy team, questions at robgolfie.com. Again, that's questions at robgolfie.com. Speaking of which, here is a great question. What happens if I find a problem with the roof that was covered with snow when I bought the house? Well, yes, that's a great question. And if let's say that uh, you look at this house you love it. It's the middle of winter. The roof, the, the roof is covered with tons of snow. You have no idea what the shingles are, how they are, what the way they are. So the key thing is asking questions, asking questions. How old are the shingles? How many layers of shingles are on there? Um, and that, that is important too, because I mean, I, we've sold houses where we've uh, sold or even represented buyers. And we see there, there's three layers of shingles, which is wrong. That's the wrong way of doing things. That was just the cheap way for the current homeowner, uh, not wanting to, to scrape it and redo it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is a key thing. Now, if we ask the homeowner, how old are the shingles? And he says, Hey, listen, they're 10 years old. And then, um, we get, and we try to get that by email, understand this by email so that you have a, a, a trail that shows that he's indicated it's 10 years old. Now, let's say you, you have, uh, spring is coming, snow's gone off the roof, and you're looking at the, the shingles, and it looks like it's probably 30 years old, and they're <laughs> curling, and they're no good. Mm-hmm. Well, you you can you got recourse to go after that guy. Like like th- that's definitely uh, it wasn't he wasn't telling the truth, and it's not it's he, he should have disclosed the right information in Ontario. You have to tell the buyers about certain problems with the home. Uh, there are two types of problems. Obviously, ones with the easy to see and hidden ones are the ones that are harder to find. Now, when you ask a simple question, get it in writing and make sure you have an email trace because that person is going to be liable. So my, my way of, you know, I'll go to the other agent and say, hey, how old are the shingles? He's going to come back to me and tell me how old they are. He says 10 years. Okay, perfect. We move in. Snow melts. Guess what? The shingles are a lot older than that. There's probably three layers uh, that should have been mentioned. You you have recourse to go after that, that person because that wasn't the truth. Last week on the show, we talked about latent defects and patent defects. Would shingles or, I don't know, a part of the roof fall under a latent defect if the homeowner does not realize there is an issue? It, it could be, a well, it could be a latent defect. Let's say... The, the current homeowner didn't, didn't know there was issues going on in his roof. Like mm-hmm. he, he may have a small leak and it's causing uh, uh, mold in under underneath in the attic someplace and stuff. Like if nobody checked the attic, the homeowner didn't check the attic. Yeah. Uh, the, the buyer didn't check the attic. Uh, th- like he can't come back after that because if he didn't do a home inspection and probably the homeowner didn't know about a roof, like there's no issues with walls around 
the house is usually a leak will drip down into the wall and into the floor. But, um, but yeah, like it's, um, the, the latent defects, um, yeah, they do happen and it happens a lot. And, uh, you know, it's, it, it, that's, that's the, you know, the, the, that's what real estate's all about when you're buying, buying a house. That's why you got to really ask a lot of questions and you got to, um, get an inspector on there. And, and, and the problem, here's the problem we had, uh, like in 2021 and in the first quarter of 2022, home inspectors, they were out of business because nobody was using them because every house that was going up for sale was in competition. Mm-hmm. And so there was no inspection required. So you're going based on walking through this house. You only had 30 minutes to go through it. Think about it. You spend more time, you know, walking around a car, driving a car and deciding what kind of car you want than you do buying a house in, in, uh, in, in the last uh, couple of years. So it, 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 you're definitely going to have problems. And a lot of people did. Vermiculite insulation, a lot of people got stuck with. Bad plumbing, um, just mold that they, they didn't know about. There was mold in the houses. People bought houses, had no clue of, uh, of what's going on with the house. They bought houses with structural problems in the basement. Like, you know, um, so, like there's so much, so much different problems. And, and if you had a home inspector, a lot of those deals wouldn't have come together. And that's why we're finding right now a lot of deals are falling apart because of home inspection. Hmm. And, and it's because people have the time. They're going in. They put their uh, offer in. No competition. Conditional on inspection. Conditional on financing. And they're doing their inspection. And they go, wait a minute. We got some issues here. Now, you go to the homeowner and say, hey, listen, we love the house. We want to buy the house. But if you're willing to, to rectify these problems with the house, we will go ahead with the deal. If not, we're, we either change the price so I could, so the buyer can fix it and, and spend the money, or we mutually agree to go apart and we find, we start looking for another house. So that's the options that that's happening right now. And we're finding that a lot of deals are falling apart. That's just the way the market is now, which is good because now people aren't getting stuck with houses that, uh, that are going to be money pits for them. Um, speaking of uh, buying and selling and investing, some really interesting figures from Statistics Canada, which honed in on, you know, who, who is buying all these homes, especially homes in other provinces. So they figured out that B.C., Nova Scotia and New Brunswick are at the top of the list in this country for having the most out of province and non-resident investors in their real estate on a percentage basis. So they put all the numbers through their systems and found that. That uh, Nova Scotia had the highest out-of-province investors at 3.8%, followed by New Brunswick at 3%, BC at 2.7%, Ontario just 0.5%. Now, of interest is that the percentage of in-province investors owning three or more properties was the highest in Ontario, 2.9%, and the lowest in New Brunswick at 1.6%. And furthermore... The assessed value of property held by immigrant investors tended to be higher than that of Canadian-born investors in all five provinces that were looked at, even though the incomes of the immigrant investors tended to be lower, which I found to be fascinating. And, and one more thing from you or, f- or for you on this one is that this StatScan study also found that most resident real estate investors are boomers. If you're 55 plus, you're in the category of people who have the largest share of investment property in this country. And most of those are in Nova Scotia 
in New Brunswick. Most boomers, or at least 66.9% of boomers, have property in Nova Scotia. This, this is fascinating. It is. And it's also saying that mo many older homeowners are opting to keep their existing property as a rental unit rather than selling. That's yeah. what's causing a lot of the shortage, thus increasing their exposure to a single asset class and potentially making the economy uh, vulnerable and over leveraged. So what's going on is, um, yeah, like, isn't that crazy where, uh, where the uh, investments are going and, and, and the, the age group that are buying and the, like like the immigrant that is buying like mm -hmm. versus uh canadian born i guess like it, it's it's I, it's funny how they can get these stats it's like you know well, it's, it's it's unbelievable my thought on this is here let's just focus on a boomer uh, maybe uh, you know, a couple they've owned their home for years decades they've paid it off or they're almost there and they think to themselves listen let's tap into the equity in our home that's now worth let's say just a million bucks we're going to take Half a million invested in a property in Nova Scotia, which is much cheaper than anywhere in here in the GTHA, and then use that as an investment property while you know still living in their current home. I think that's that's happening uh, clearly by these stats in a lot of instances. And in comparison, those people between the ages of 35 and 54 own about one in three resident investor properties in this province. So they're clearly lagging behind the boomers, uh, but those boomers are really making some hay with this investment uh, property. Well, well, the boomers have the money right now, so that's why they're, they're, they're able to, to, uh, to buy. And them getting, like, like you said, they, let's say they have a property worth a million dollars, taking 500, they can buy two properties out in uh, New Coast, Brunswick or yeah. Nova Scotia. And, because I mean that's what they're probably selling for is five hundred thousand, so they can finance that, rent them out, and everything else like that. And that's what they're doing. People are going. Calgary is huge right now. Mm -hmm. I know uh, a couple of realtors in Toronto. They are getting their investor uh, clientele list, and uh, a, a good friend of mine, uh, Alex Wilson, and he flies out to Calgary, meets with the uh, developer himself personally, and says, "Hey, listen, I know you got this project. I want to be able to sell." X amount of uh, condos allocate so many for me because I have I have a list in Toronto by Toronto investors that are willing to go to Calgary and wow. he's doing it and 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 so we're getting a lot of investors crisscrossing across Canada buying in different parts of the country and Nova Scotia New Brunswick Calgary's one look Manitoba ha uh, is is one they have lower rates uh, out of province but uh, but yeah like the 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 the, the price point are affordable and it's it's achievable for to get rental income it was like um it was like uh, windsor windsor ontario the prices of homes there are so cheap that but they the but but it's up so high now just because investors went there i had uh one of the girls on my team uh as a real estate agent she went out and bought a property there that's what drove niagara up in prices that's what's driving Windsor up in prices. Mm -hmm. Everybody is buying investment properties and they're going, but now they're also going cross provinces. They're going out on the East coast because it, it is affordable, but you're finding those prices are starting to move up yeah. and getting a little bit pricey. Is there a little bit of a danger in, in investing in an out of province property or even, you know, if, say someone lives in Hamilton or Burlington or Niagara or Brantford and they're thinking, wow, you know, Windsor is still relatively cheap uh, compared to where we are. 
Owning a property so far away, if there is an issue with that property, is it difficult? Is it tricky to, you know, get, get something or, or get something fixed or, or, or do something if there is an emergency that arises? You know what? If you've got a good management company out in, in, in any of those areas, they will take care of it and make your life headache free. Mm. That's it. You, you get an email that comes in. If there's any repairs, they say, hey, we got, you know, this needs to be done. This needs to be done. That needs to be done. No problem. Here's the money for it. No problem. They deposit the checks for you. Everything's all, they, they collect the money and everything else like that. It, like a good, like there's good management companies, property management companies out there, really good ones. If you can find a really good one that manages it, you know what? You'll buy 10 of these properties, uh, which is not a problem. But now you get a bad one. Yeah, it's going to, it's going to have your mind, mindset's going to be a little different mm -hmm. on owning properties and having a man management company. So the key thing is finding a really good uh, property management company that'll take care of it for you. So it doesn't matter where you are in the world. There are property management companies in every city and every town in, in, in the world that, that you can buy a property in. Funny that you mentioned anywhere in the world, because that's where we're going next, because there is a TikToker who has uh, made some waves and is garnering some viral videos when uh, the uh, individual is comparing homes in Canada to castles in Europe. So as we know, the average price of a house in Canada is about $715,000, up $100,000 since the beginning of the year. So we're going in the right direction in that regard. But uh, this TikToker who goes by the name Millennial Moron has a series of viral videos <laughs> that compares homes here to homes overseas. And, and homes overseas are, are literally castles. So in one instance, there's a two-bedroom home in Toronto. It's in Kensington neighborhood, which, you know, the homes there are priced accordingly. 2.8 million dollars the average cost of a home in that area so there's a castle in scotland that is i guess on the market or, or worth 2.8 million dollars the castle in scotland has 20 bedrooms and on five acres of land so literally that person who lives in the home in kensington in toronto can buy a castle in scotland for the same price you know what absolutely but there's a lot of castles that are, are empty and vacant and, and abandoned because the cost to maintain these castles are very expensive. Can you imagine, you know, the heating cost to heat these things up? Yeah. Uh, yes, I get it. You can get, you can get a house, you know, five to 10 times bigger than the house that you're in for the same amount of money, but you gotta be, you gotta be careful because I know, uh, like uh, a lot of uh, wealthy, famous people own castles either in Ireland, in Scotland, in England, in the UK. Um, they like, but they can afford to uh, renovate them, fix them up, heat them, manage the the, the landscape of them, and everything else like that. But they <laughs> they are not cheap. But yeah, you could say yeah, you can buy this. But what do you, what after that? Just try pay the heating bill your heating bill is going to be bigger than your mortgage, you know? And uh, so, so you got to be very, very careful, but yeah, no doubt. Beautiful, beautiful castles that you can have. It'd be great uh, to have as a, as a, uh, maybe an investment property and, and rent out to other wealthy people. So uh, the other examples, this uh, TikToker points to, there's a two bedroom house in Kitchener. That's worth 1.8 million. There's a, a lake-facing castle in Sweden that has about four acres of land for basically the same price, $1.85 million. And there's a property in Vancouver uh, listed at 4.6. It's a three-bedroom house, 
Sounds nice. But as the TikToker writes, if you want to save a little money, there's a $4.4 million castle in England, which is on 32 acres of land, 22,000 square feet of living space, including 17 ensuite bedrooms. Yeah, that'd be not only a lot of money to heat and maintain, but a lot of space to clean as well. I wouldn't want to be living there and have to clean a castle. Oh, no kidding. Can you imagine you have to update all the bathrooms and, <laughs> and, and everything else? Can you imagine the cost? It, just, it, it costs a two piece bath will cost you five to eight thousand dollars, and a full bathroom may cost you up to twenty to forty thousand, depending on how, how expensive you go. So you got to be very careful out there. I was going to say, can you imagine the latent and patent defects in these castles? <laughs> oh, no kidding. No kidding. Abs- oh, it's crazy. If you want to sell your house or you are in the market to buy a house, call the number one REMAX team in Canada. The Golfie team, 905-575-7700. Online at robgolfie.com. That's Rob G-O-L-F-I.com. Still to come, we'll take a peek inside Canada's most expensive home, and we'll talk about the people who are most likely to buy this house. And we'll also talk about converting office space into housing. Many developers are saying it is a costly venture. That's coming up next year on the Golfy Real Estate Show, Hamilton Edition on 900 CHML. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. This is the Golfy Real Estate Show, Hamilton Edition on 900 CHML. Rick Samprin with Rob Golfy, sales representative, Remax Escarpment Realty, the Golfy team. Call them today. You'll be calling the number one Remax team in Canada. The Golfy team, 905-575-7700. That's 905-575-7700. RobGolfy.com is the website. Rob, G-O-L-F-I.com. And follow the Golfy team on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. Great videos, awesome listings listed on their social media feeds as well. There is a crazily expensive home uh, up for sale in Canada. It is in BC, no surprise. It is in the Whistler area, and it is listed for $39 million. Uh, it is a gorgeous home looking at the pictures, but $39 million, Rob. I mean, the the market for this home has got to be extremely small. Yeah, it, you know what? It's more of your uh, uh, super wealthy people. Chances are somebody that will probably buy that property in Whistler is either from the U S or could be Europe, depending if they, you know, that's into skiing big time and they're super wealthy. Now Whistler does have a lot of, uh, you know, luxury homes, uh, for sale just because it is one of, uh, a big ski, uh, destination Mm -hmm. in the world that people go to. They held the Olympics there. I've been there two, three times in, in Whistler. It is gorgeous. And, um, yeah, I, I could, I could see that. And, uh, you know, somebody coming in, flying in, take a look at the house and making an offer on it or, or whatever it, um, and I knew a guy that, uh, he was a Canadian. He was a wall street guy, made a lot of money, retired. Those guys retire early. They, they retire like in their late thirties or early forties. And this guy, what he did with his money, he was, uh, buying properties in Whistler and renovating them like completely and flipping them. And hmm. he was, I mean, he was doing this like 15 years ago wow. and uh, doing very well for himself. And, and that's what Whistler, Whistler brings that 
world uh, uh, stage of, of wealth coming to the coming to Whistler, and uh, and you can do that there now. Uh, you know, same thing with the bridal path in in Toronto. Now, is there a place in the East Coast that uh, that has that? I don't know. I don't think I don't know if they have anything like that in the East Coast. Um, and I don't know if in Ontario has that, but I know Whistler is a place of, of uh, a destination that people would love to, uh, the super wealthy would love to move as a, as a, a winter home or summer home. It depends whatever they, they do. And, and, and you do see wealthy people, uh, have houses. Oh, the Muskokas is another one. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. we know a lot of people in the Muskokas. I mean, there's cottages up there that are worth 20, 30, 40, uh, million dollars. And, uh, so yeah, people, you know, they just want a, a destination place and, and, and those are probably the two areas that I can think of right now. Kind of funny to think someone owning a winter or summer home that's valued at $39 million. That's, that's, that's another pay grade or two or three or 10. Uh, it's an 8,700 square foot modern house. It's overlooking the mountains in Whistler Black Home, which is just, uh, as you mentioned, a, a luxurious part of the country. Uh, about 16% of the properties in Whistler are owned by foreign body or foreign buyers. But when you are talking about the extreme luxury end of the market, so these, you know, 10 million, 20 million plus kind of homes, foreign ownership spikes to about 50%. So about half of the half of the homes valued at these kind of price figures are owned by foreign entities. How would you market a house like this? You literally got to be connected uh, with uh, realtors around the world, yeah. and and you do have to market this globally um, in in different ways. Uh, you you know, like all the main, like it 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 just it's a different marketing system. Uh, like Remax, we have uh, our collection that we we market high end homes in. Um, you know, there it's it's just it's the network that that we have already. And you just got to tap into it. It's not something uh, a newer agent would, uh, you know, venture to to take on. He would, he should have a veteran agent working with him uh, on selling something like that, especially on the world market. Because you want to, you want to tap into, uh, try to find that list of 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 wealthy people, and and it's hard to find. So you got to use the social media. You have to use your contact list. Uh, it just depends on. Uh, on, you know, when people are, are flying in, if they want that destination, you got to make sure everybody, everybody sees it. Everybody sees it. And if you ever want to see it, just go on my uh, website, uh, golfyluxury.com, and you can look at any luxury properties around the world. Hmm. And you'll look, it'll say, it'll say world properties uh, uh, around the world. You go to golfyluxury.com and you can see all the luxury properties around the world in different cities and, and countries. It'd be kind of fun. We'll, we'll only dream, but uh, we'll certainly go to golfyluxury.com and and uh, who knows if we uh, if we win the lottery that we might just be visiting that website and then giving you a call at 905-575-7700. When we come back, we're going to talk about converting offices into housing. It's one of the hot topics out there with our housing shortage, but there's a lot of developers say, are saying uh, you might want to think twice about this strategy. We'll tell you why next here on the Golfy Real Estate Show, Hamilton Edition on 900 CHML. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. And last go round here on the Golfy Real Estate Show, Hamilton Edition on 900 CHML. Rick Samprin with Rob Golfy, sales representative for Remax Escarpment Realty, the Golfy team. 
online at robgolfie.com. That's Rob, G-O-L-F-I.com. Call the number one REMAX team in Canada. That's the Golfie team, 905-575-7700. And follow them on TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter as well. If you have a question or a topic idea for a future show, send them an email, questions at robgolfie.com. Well, one of the hottest topics to try and solve the housing shortage, the housing crisis we have in this province and across the country is converting office spaces. We know that more and more office spaces, especially in those downtown cores, think of downtown Toronto, downtown Vancouver, any major center, um, there's some vacancies there because a lot more people are working from home since the start of the pandemic. But developers are saying, you know what, it's a good idea and in some cases it can work, but in others it's just not uh, cost effective. In, in fact, it's cost prohibitive. What do you make of the conversion or the thought of converting offices into livable spaces? Well, they, they, they say there's two anchoring criteria, like the, like the smaller uh, floor plates work better for conversion because apartment units can flank window windows without, uh, you know, a bowling alley depths. Older is better because uh, newer glass towers uh, compose a man uh, compose a manner of, of a challenge, such as how to connect apartment walls to the to glass exteriors. I think they have to do this. They have no choice. People that own these buildings, they're gonna they're gonna the, the values of these buildings are, are 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 dropping like crazy just because people are not renting as much space as they need to. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people are working out of their house. This is the new generation, so. We are, we're, they're probably not going to build an office building for a long time. It, I, I give it 10, 20 years before they even think about putting a new office building in. And, and there is a shortage of people, uh, a, a shortage of homes out there. So that this is, the, this is a, a quick way of uh, solving that problem is built, putting half the building, keep it commercial and the other half residential. And, but it, 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 it is a big renovation project because now they have to put all plumbing lines through concrete floors and everything else like that, which becomes uh, a lot of uh, jackhammering all, you know, through every floor trying to, trying to get this thing together. But, but yeah, it's, it's needed and, and it's going to help these people that uh, own these buildings. There's uh, uh, one example in, I think it's BC, where a developer, you know, went into an empty building and started, you know, tearing things up. And, you know, at first glance, they thought, all right, here's an existing building. All we got to do is, you know, put some residential units in it and we're good. The fact of the matter is they basically had to gut the place because there wasn't really anything salvageable in terms of, all right, if we're building a livable unit here, we have to have, you know, it's got to be up to code and, and, you know, the electricity kind of uh, dependent is different because a larger office will have a higher electrical voltage. And so it's it's not as easy as it appears. I mean, they're ripping out walls. They're basically redoing it. And one developer says, might as well just, you know, demolish the whole thing and start from scratch. It's going to cost about the same amount of money, but you're going to save a lot of time as well. Absolutely. I mean, there's a lot of old buildings downtown Hamilton that were, you know, probably small factories. Uh, that were converted into condos now. Like the, there's, you know, the one on Dundurn uh, across from the uh, beer and liquor store there. Mm-hmm. Um, that is, uh, you know, uh, I think there's about 100 condos that were built there. Now the cost to go in and, and, and have somebody go in and drop floor plans, engineers going in trying to make sure, you know, reinforce the foundation, it is costly. But the, but the, one, the one thing that you get overall 
after it's all said and done, you've got the character of the building, which is beautiful. Yeah. Um, and that's and that's what everybody's looking for, and that's why they like these old buildings. They you know, and they turn them into lofts. But yeah, you're right. It the cost to uh, to tear down and build is probably just the same or cheaper, just because you start a, a fresh slate and you don't have to worry about um, you know you have to work around this corner with this beam because that's you know, structurally that's holding up the you know that corner of the of the building like there's so many aspects of it but again it's uh it's something that we need they need to convert these uh office buildings and if they can do it it's gonna it'll it'll, it'll make it quicker for uh, putting more residential homes into the marketplace. And lastly, and speaking of these kind of buildings, there's skyscrapers in China, in particular one city, Nanchang, which is a population of 3.8 million people. Um, they have basically apartment buildings that are sitting empty because the population boom has kind of come and gone. And now people are looking at, you know, other avenues and want to live in, in other places. It's really sad that they built all these, you know, massive uh, condos, massive towers, and, and they're vacant. Oh, I know. And these guys, where were they saying they were building 7 million? Was it 7 million uh, uh, condo uh, residences? A, was that a, a uh, year? Not a year. A year. Like, look, how, that's a lot. Like, I mean, we, <laughs> we, we're having a hard time building like 150 in 10 years yeah. or whatever, 150,000. But, uh, or 1 million. We have to build 1 million, 1.5 million in 10 years. In 10 these years. guys are doing 7 million a year. I think we got to send, we got to send somebody over there to recruit these guys to come to Canada. <laughs> you're, you're 100% right. Hey, you can listen to our show online through Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and many more. Just search for the Golfie Real Estate Show in your favorite podcast platform and hit the follow button so you never miss an episode. Rob, another great show. And thank you for listening to the Golfie Real Estate Show. We're back next Saturday at 9 on 900. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML.